The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Mike Opelka with you on the uh, third hour of the program today on National Lobster Day. I haven't had any lobster today. I didn't realize it was National Lobster Day till Harriet Baldwin told me so. What am I going to do? Oh, the choices, the choices for National Lobster Day. Maybe we'll find something along the way to the the congressional baseball game tonight. Uh, breaking news from the people at AirSign, because uh, I have been monitoring the story about the Pentagon Federal Credit Union blimp that went down in Wisconsin. Uh, there were people seen parachuting out of the blimp. It was a, an, an aircraft that was floating over the golf tournament starting today. And uh, a lot of people were posting videos of it coming down. The people from AirSign have just reported, thank you um, for your concerns. The blimp pilot is being taken to the hospital, but is expected to be okay. No details on the cause of the crash. Kind of unfortunate. You know, you get your big chance. To get your blimp in the air and over, flying over the golf tournament, it's going to be on TV for several days. Obviously going to be a big event on the weekend. And uh, day one, in the first couple hours, there goes your blimp. It's down. It's burning. The people uh, who were in the little gondola, this was not the big Goodyear blimp or the Virgin airship that we used to see. This is a, a different kind of a blimp. It looks more like it has an ultralight attached underneath it. So uh, we're, we're seeing. Uh, there's some breaking news on CNN right now. They're, they're saying the Senate Intelligence Committee will not probe Donald Trump for obstruction. But beside the fact the Washington Post leaked that story that says Robert Mueller is investigating Donald Trump for possible obstruction of justice. And that has to do with the firing of James Comey. And, of course, uh, an unnamed source for this. An unnamed source. So uh, I I don't like unnamed sources, especially when they drop them with curious timing. You have to admit, it certainly was curious timing to put 
uh, the story out, Washington Post, on the evening of the president's birthday and the day that we had uh, a very a very tense day in Washington, D.C. If you heard Senator Chris Coons talking to us earlier, he was not even there, and I think it was a tough day for him. He's not exactly a guy who's out playing baseball, not a not an athlete guy. He's more of the brainiac kind of a guy. But uh, that that fact that those were unidentified sources, anonymous sources in that story, saying that Mueller is investigating Trump for possible obstruction of justice, despite the fact they're unnamed sources, that doesn't stop the rest of the press from trying to hit Donald Trump with that question. The president was in the White House with a bunch of folks talking about the um, the need for us to have more apprenticeships, basically talking about what Mike Rowe has been saying to Glenn Beck and on on television for the past five years. There are great jobs out there in the trades, but we just need to get people involved in apprenticeships. And uh, the press couldn't wait for the president to stop speaking so they could ask him about the unsubstantiated Washington Post story. Mr. President, do you believe that you are under investigation now? Mr. President, do you now believe? Do you want to respond on camera to the Washington Post report, Mr. President? Thank you all. The president has mastered the art of not responding. The president, in his very short time in office, I think we're at day 146, has mastered the art of just not looking at the reporter and moving away. I thought that was a good move. So good for you, Mr. President. He's also been tweeting about it. The president has responded to the press, but not the way they want him to respond. He's responded in the way that he likes to respond. And that's using uh, just the avoidance, using Twitter. Uh, Ken Starr has been asked about this case. Ken Starr, the guy who was the man behind the investigation, the independent investigation of Bill Clinton. And Kenneth Starr was on CNN today. And he is quoted as saying there is no obstruction case against Donald, uh, uh, Donald Trump so far. No obstruction case. So you got a guy who's got some experience in this. And I know the Democrats are going to say, well, he's partisan. But you thought he was an independent guy then. So what's changed is always my question. What's changed now? We'll see what happens. Uh, the Mueller thing is, is a bit disturbing because, obviously because we now hear how many of the people that Robert Mueller has hired have some kind of connection to Democrats, whether they gave money, and they're not gigantic amounts of money, but it still indicates a preference, doesn't it? When you're giving money only to one side, it indicates a bias, a preference. All right, I said I'd get to North Korea and uh, the story of um, Fred Warmbier. He's the father of Otto Warmbier. One of the questions everybody wanted to know when, when Fred Warmbier addressed the press today was obviously the question that we all could not believe that the morning Tuesday morning, we get up and Dennis Rodman's everywhere because he's now over in North Korea. Dennis Rodman, one of the few people who knows both Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un, probably has them both on his phone. And uh, then later that day, 
a guy who's been held in a work camp, who's been in a coma, we learned just recently, for over, over 13, 14 months. Did Rodman get the release? Well, Fred Warmbier had a pretty interesting response to that question. Did Dennis Rodman? No, he didn't. He, he, Dennis Rodman had nothing to do with Otto. It's, try, it, you know, it's a diversion. You know, they just released Otto. It's a diversion, I'm sure. It's, th- it, it, this is all planned. Yes. Dennis Rodman's? I could care less. I, I love the dad's reaction. I think this father has a very clear understanding of what happened and how, how his son's release was handled. And I love when they say, uh, well, what do you think about Dennis Rodman? I could not care less. Now, the, the father also addressed the, some issues about the holding of his son and how the government, the American government, dealt with it, specifically the Obama administration. And was there anything he'd like to say about that? The question is, do I think the past administration could have done more? I think the results speak for themselves. Interesting, right? Here's a guy with a little bit of diplomatic skills. I kind of like that. He didn't go after the past administration. He just said, look at the results. My son is home now, and President Trump's been in office 146, 147 days. Any questions? And as a matter of fact, President Trump actually talked with Fred Warmbier last night, and Mr. Warmbier addressed that phone call. President Trump called, called me at, say, 10 o'clock last night and just wanted to find out how, I, how Cindy and I were doing and wanted to know about Otto. Um, it was a really nice conversation. It was, it was kind, and it was, are you taking care of yourself? And, you know, we worked hard, and, um, you know, and, and, I, and I'm sorry this is the outcome. And he told me a little bit about, you know, Secretary Tillerson and Joe Yoon, and, you know, they teamed up, and they, they made things happen. And, uh, you know, he was very candid, and just it was a nice conversation. And to be honest with you, I had avoided conversations with him. And, and then... Because to what end? I'm dealing with my son. This is about Otto. But I did take the call, and and it was gracious, and it was nice, and it felt good. And I thank him for that. I I think this guy's got a a good head on his shoulders. You can't imagine what he's gone through for the past 15, 16 months watching his son. If you remember when Otto was taken away after he was sentenced to 15 years, you remember his tearful exclamations in the uh, South Korean courtroom as the guys with the giant hats were walking him out and he was talking about his brother and sister needing him. It was heartbreaking. And so from that moment to the, the last couple of days, Fred Warmbier had to deal with trying to get his son home and, and finally did. Uh, the press conference was was pretty interesting, pretty straightforward. Um, he did thank the supporters. And I made a decision this morning to wear the coat that Otto wore when he was, um, I don't know, a prisoner in North Korea. This is the coat he wore when he did his confession, and I thought it was an amazing performance. I'm proud of him, and I'll start with an opening statement. 
I want to thank everyone who has shared their thoughts, prayers, and best wishes with the Warm Beer family during the past 17 months. The burden of our ordeal has been eased by the support we have experienced, not only from our friends in Cincinnati, but throughout Ohio, at the University of Virginia, throughout the United States, and indeed from around the world. I'd also like to thank Todd, Lynn, Mr. Seiler, Mr. Burke from Wyoming High School. This is a place where Otto experienced some of the best moments of his young life. And he would be pleased to know that his return to the United States would be acknowledged on these grounds. My wife, Cindy, is at Otto's side this morning. It's kind of touching to hear the father talk about his son's return and he's wearing the jacket that you see Otto wearing in, in the moment he's being taken out of the courtroom. He also spoke very frankly about North Korea and, and how, how North Korea really isn't getting hurt by anything we're doing. I don't see a tough approach to North Korea. They're still able to, to take Americans hostage and abuse them. They're still able to, to be terrorists in the world. I don't know that North Korea is... Listen, North Korea terrorized... The, the, it started with the prisoner of, prisoners of war, of the North Korean War. It extended to the USS Pueblo, and now it extended to my son, Otto. It's not... I, I'm not in government, and I don't... It's not my call. I love this guy's approach. He takes it from a very personal approach about his son, but he also brings in the historical aspect of how North Korea has been allowed to do so much for so many years. And despite all of our tough talk, we're really not getting tough with North Korea. We haven't gotten tough with North Korea. Um, How do we say this? How do we date this? Ever? Never. We've never gotten tough with North Korea. And I really think this this president is going to change that. Absolutely going to change that. We'll see, right? We will. It's a it's a we'll see moment. All right. I'm stepping aside for a minute. When we get back, um, I need to start setting up here because we're going to talk about one of the One of the biggest movies in terms of profit ever was Saturday Night Fever. It came out in the the fall of 1977. And um, I happen to know one of the guys who who owned the nightclub where the film was shot. And they gave the guy two choices. They said, we can give you a cash payment to, to use your nightclub or we can we can give you a piece of the movie and they're watching this movie being shot and set up and they know the script and it's about disco and let's face it it's 1977 disco was a thing but it was just a new thing and who's this guy John Travolta he was a he was a sweat hog on a TV show nah it's not going to do any any big numbers give me Give me the cash. I'll take the five grand. You know what happened. But one of the pieces of memorabilia from that show is suddenly in play. Glenn Beck talked about uh, the R2-D2 going up for auction. Well, another iconic piece of American film history is going up for auction from Saturday Night Fever. Do you know what it is? 
Uh, we'll, we're just around the corner from talking to the guy who, in fact, owns it, well, at least temporarily. We'll do that and some other updates on what's going on in the world with the Cosby jury. Uh, they say they're deadlocked. The judge has some direction and, and so much more when Pure Opelka returns. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Let me remind you this number, 800-500-8384. Write it down, 800-500-8384. If you're dealing with chronic pain, like in the joints, in the knees, in the back, in the neck, in the hips, try Relief Factor for three weeks. Try it. Give it a shot. It's uh, $19.95 for a three-week trial pack. I got the Quick Start Pack. I tried it. Eight days into it, guess what? I'm feeling like no pain in my knees, which were killing me. And I stopped taking those green gel caps. You know, the ones you're supposed to take every four hours. And you're only supposed to take two, but I was taking three or four at a time. So, uh Guess what? I haven't taken one of those over-the-counter painkillers and certainly no prescription since I started after the eighth day of Relief Factor. It's, It's an amazing thing for me. It changed my life. I'm playing more golf. I'm walking more on the golf course. I'm working in the garden. I'm enjoying outdoors. And it's perfect timing for me in the summer. 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. It's Relief Factor. If you want to know more, go to relieffactor.com. It's very simple. All right. Um, you know, we're not going to get my buddy until the bottom of the hour, just after the break at the bottom of the hour. And uh, we'll talk about the Saturday Night Fever thing. Uh, there is there is a lot going on anyway, as As you may have heard me say earlier in the day, the Bill Cosby jury, which was given the case a day and a half ago, this is the third day of deliberations, basically. Um, They do not have, in in terms of their mind, they don't have the ability to, to come to a verdict. They told the judge they were deadlocked. And the judge took them, put them aside, and said, No, you're not deadlocked. You're going to have to go back and uh, try and work this out. And um, that's the deal. That's called the dynamite discussion. So they're back in the jury room. Now, what happens if they come out at the end of the day and say, we can't do anything, Your Honor? 
We don't get it. Well, they could make this a mistrial, and then the prosecutors will have to see if they're actually going to do anything. But uh, after Bill Cosby left the courtroom for a second day doing the Fat Albert sound, the hey, 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 it, um, it sure feels like Cosby's crew thinks that they've got this. Cosby's crew feels like they're in good shape, and they may be. They may absolutely be in the driver's seat on this. Oh, is Frank and PA on the phone? Frank, uh, I didn't know you were there. I'm sorry, I missed it. Frank, uh, you want to check in? I've only got a few here. What's up? Yeah, before you get to the Disco Pelta uh, era, I was <laughs> going to... Uh, it, it, you were having a little bit of trouble with the association of, of Hillary Clinton and Wonder Woman, but I've always associated Hillary Clinton with Wonder Woman. I wonder what she would, what we could gather as far as truth goes with that magic lasso, what she would admit to. So... I see I've what you did there. That. I've I need, always seen that connection. I need a, a snimble, a, a snare drum and a cymbal. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. I wonder welcome, why Mike. we made you stay on hold so long. When we get back, <laughs> it is the Disco Pelka era. You're going to learn something about Saturday Night Fever that you probably didn't know. Come on back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Piero Pelka. It is uh, host privilege time on the show. And, you know, we do cover a lot of what's going on in the news. We try and get uh, as much of the breaking news your way. And then some of the stories, like I was talking about tax policy earlier. And by the way, the vital question of the day poll is still up on Twitter at StuntBrain. Uh, what do you think is the best way for us to, to tax people? Is it a flat tax? Is it a uh, government sales tax? And we eliminate the income tax altogether? Just weigh in. It's one of those things that uh, we try to do every single day. It doesn't happen every day, but it happens most every day. Uh, I, I've been talking earlier about a movie that had a, an effect on my life. Saturday Night Fever came out in 77. And um, I remember the the big party that they tried to have happen in New York City for the 30th anniversary in, uh, in 2007. And that uh, ran into some weather issues. Uh, or or it, might, it might have been the 25th anniversary now that I think about it. But the guy who can give us all the information on that is an old friend of mine. A guy I knew from my New York radio days before I stepped out of New York onto this national stage at the Blaze Radio. Uh, his name is Vito Bruno, and he is a, a Brooklyn guy. If you ever wanted to meet a Brooklyn guy, it would be Vito Bruno. Vito and I go way back to my days at WKTU Radio, and uh, I, I asked Vito to join me to tell a story, a pretty remarkable story that he's involved in today. Vito, first of all, I haven't seen you in forever, but I appreciate you taking my call today and agreeing to chat with me. How you doing? 
I'm great. How are you? Congratulations on this show. Thanks. Yeah, you know, I had I known about this last week when I was filling in for Glenn Beck on 300 stations, I would have said, let's get Vito on there. And it uh, would have been even bigger. This is still big. We're coast to coast. We're all over. We got people listening in Australia, Vito. That's the, that's the good part of this. Now, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the, the, was it the 25th anniversary party that we had that weather meltdown? You mean when they coined the term Norista? That yeah. was the 20th anniversary. That was November 1st, 1997, the day that will live in infamy. I remember we were all we were all getting ready to go to uh, the Odyssey nightclub and have this magical night with the reunion of the Bee Gees and and I think Travolta was scheduled to come in too, wasn't he? Yes, we we had uh, we had spent almost a year planning that event. We had um, had the entire street closed off. We had a big concert stage at the end of the block over there, um, and then what I had done was I had restored the nightclub to what it looked like uh, when they filmed the movie. Because I was a kid working in that club at that time as my first gig. And I got the best compliment I ever got of any of the shows. The people that uh, were there and the the club participants and the people for the movie, they walked in to the club and they go, they didn't do one thing to this club in 20 years. So we know we nailed it perfectly. Wow, that's amazing. And after you worked at the club as a young guy, and then you were involved in, in all kinds of promotions. I was involved with you in many different promotions with our radio station and, and things that were going on in New York. You ended up owning the dance floor, the iconic dance floor from the movie, the one with the lights that Travolta danced on. Where have you been keeping this, Vito? Well, it's actually in storage, uh, two blocks from where it originally was filmed in the movie, uh, out here in Brooklyn. Uh, that was uh, uh, the the floor got auctioned off um, when they were closing the club, and I had went to the auction and I had purchased it. Uh, it wound up three or four years in litigation, but we wound up with the floor. I it's one of the most unusual things I know. Uh, at one point, Gene Siskel owned the white suit that Travolta danced yeah. in, and and that's you know somewhere on display in a museum. But uh, you just never think about the floor. But that floor has a whole history, and and we're talking about the floor from Saturday Night Fever, the iconic film turning forty this year. And Vito, you're you're auctioning this off through uh, its profiles in history in Calabasas, California. Obviously, the stuff's the pictures are online, but you're doing this uh, for a for a political reason. And I did not know you were you were getting into politics. Is this your first foray well, into politics? Well, yes. Well, it's not for a political reason. We, um, you know, I had uh, this. Yes, this is my first foray into politics. Um, running for Brooklyn Borough President out here, um, but fundraisers traditionally. Um, have been pretty stuffy. And as we all know, these campaigns are completely run by doing these fundraisers. Um, so everybody thought, oh, you have the dance floor, and there's been a lot of press uh, worldwide in the last four weeks about the uh, the auction. So they says, well, before the auction, let's bring out the dance floor and have a fun 
kind of fundraiser, but that is kind of what you've been doing, you know, fun, great events. So we're bringing it out for the last time. Or we're going to light it up for the final time in Brooklyn, and hopefully be lighting up my career as a politician. And, and Vito, a, a lot of people don't, outside of the New York area, don't realize this, but Brooklyn, Brooklyn has 2.6 plus million people. It's one of the largest cities. If you just drew a, a, a line around Brooklyn and said, okay, you're a city by yourself, just not a, a borough of, of New York, uh, Brooklyn would be a top, what, a top five city in America. Right. Brooklyn would be the top three uh, t- city in, in America with documented people. Now, we have more than <laughs> a million undocumented people over here. So I'm, I'm sure we'd be in the probably number two versus number three. But it, it's, you know, we legitimately have over three million people out here in Brooklyn. And it is a wonderful, wonderful place. Oh, I've, I have I'm many fond memories. Right of, of times in Brooklyn and, and you as borough president, I, I could get in a lot more trouble, I think, and get out of it easier. It might be a wise thing. I haven't even asked you, I, what party are you in, Vito? Well, right now we're uh, seeking endorsements from several parties. And, and as you know, um, going out, you have to get signatures, uh, thousands of signatures for each party, each line you're looking to run on. And, uh, and if the fundraisers, a certain amount of people have to contribute from each party that you want to run on. So uh, right now we're out seeking endorsements from several different parties. And hmm. we um, have been talking to a few people about uh, forming yet another party, which is um, representative of the far left and the far right, taking the best from each and um, bringing it all to the center. Because right now, we just need to all get along. See, this is why I remember Vito Bruno, and that's the guy we're talking to. He currently is the owner of the dance floor from Saturday Night Fever, the iconic light-up dance floor. It's going to be auctioned later this month through Profiles in History in Calabasas, California on June 26th. If you're in the New York area on June 22nd, uh, Vito, if we show up at the Bay Ridge uh, the the Encore Restaurant in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Will we be allowed to dance on the floor one last time? A hundred percent. We have See, we're getting calls from as far as Italy and uh, Spain and England uh, and Australia. People that want to come in just to dance on that dance floor. See, this is amazing. This is why I understand why you are the guy who needs to be running for Brooklyn Borough President because in your own quote in the paper about this story today i saw it in a new york paper these are vito bruno's words in print the job is basically a promoter for the borough of brooklyn it's custom made for someone like me close quote you're exactly right vito you are the guy to do this so i salute you for this This is a great idea well thank you sir you know as a you know as a promoter you're promoting programs you're promoting a better quality of life getting the word out, making Brooklyn a better place, you know, promoting how to deal with homeless, how to deal with opioids, how to deal with it all. And as a promoter, we know how to promote and get messages out to help these people of Brooklyn. I am certainly forward to trying to get this gig, boy, let me tell you. Well, I I Um, wish you uh, nothing but good good luck, sir. 
And uh, good luck on the auction. I'll be following it as well. It's estimated between a million and a million and a half bucks. And I, I see that as a pretty good, go- a pretty good estimate. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, that, that's what the uh, auction house uh, felt it was worth. Um, in, the, in the right hands, you know, it, it, if a casino grabs it or a, uh, you know, a, some sort of public kind of uh, venue grabs it, it could be worth far more than that to them. But my gut is uh, a private collector is probably going to grab it because it is one of the most recognizable pieces of movie memorabilia in existence. Absolutely. And you were prescient to go out and bid on it and, and have it locked up all these years. Thank you, Vito. Well, His name is Vito Bruno. Keep an eye out for him. He might be the next Bronx Borough president, but, Brooklyn, you know, he's going to. Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Oh, did I say Bronx? Sorry. You sure uh, did. Yeah, I'm, that would get me killed. That would get me killed, Vito. My bad. The next Brooklyn yes, Borough President. <laughs> have a have a great rest of your day, sir. And I'm glad you don't Thank know you where for... I live after that last comment. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. Uh, honestly, one of the one of the more entertaining and interesting characters in my old radio days, and now he's taking a turn to politics to be the borough president of Brooklyn. Really is a a massive city when you think about the numbers. Officially, 2.6 million. And as Vito said, unofficially, probably over 3 million people somewhere in the borough. Uh, but uh, I'll keep you posted. I'm going to watch this auction. It's next week. It's June 26th. And it, again, if you're in New York and you want to dance on the on the Saturday Night Fever dance floor, one more time, they're having an event June 22nd. It's a fundraiser for Vito's campaign at the Encore Restaurant in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It is a throwback Thursday, and I got to throw it back to the time that uh, I was in the studio with the Bee Gees back in my, my radio days, my music radio days. Actually, somewhere, and I don't think we can play it here, but I convinced all of them to record a parody for um, for the radio station. It was one of those wacky morning zoos, and they agreed to do the parody. I wonder if I can post it on Twitter. If I can, I will. If I can, I will. But right after the show today, I'm headed from the constitutionally protected free speech bunker here in the woods of Delaware down to Washington, D.C., where I am going to be trying trying to get some interviews with the people on either side of the aisle at the baseball game. So if you're going to the game, look for me. I'm going to have the iconic white blaze baseball cap, the old logo. I'm going old school. Of course, it's a throwback Thursday. And I've reached out to all of our friends who are in the Republican section and told them I couldn't get a seat there. 
and we're trying to get there. I'm going to try and convince uh, a couple of people from theblaze.com in the D.C. office to join me as well. So you never know what you'll find on the Internet. Depending on signal strength, D.C. generally sucks for signal strength. Uh, we will maybe do some periscoping tonight from uh, the Nationals field. I asked Pete Kasparowitz of the Washington Examiner if he wanted to join me because I, I got a couple extra tickets. And he's like, no way. I don't like all those politicians. I love the charity, but I don't like the politicians. Pete is honest to a fault. So I appreciate him. Uh, but uh, we'll take care of that. And uh, maybe, maybe, maybe you'll have uh, extra stuff tonight. And those of you who are, are telling me I'm killing you, like you, the Duchess of Kofefe, for not giving you enough time to get to Brooklyn. Yeah, it, it's going to be a blast in Brooklyn on the 22nd as they have the last dance on the Saturday Night Fever dance floor. So thanks to Vito Bruno for joining us today. Thanks to everybody who tweeted along during the show. Uh, there's a whole bunch going on, a whole bunch going on in the world. And, and hopefully tomorrow or late tonight, we'll get better news, better news about Congressman Steve Scalise, who's currently in a very, very tough, tough fight for his life. He's not just fighting for saving a leg or, or saving an organ. Steve is fighting for his life. So take a while today and say a prayer for Steve Scalise and say thank you to the, the men and women of the Capitol Police Force, the one man, the one woman who actually were on duty that day and ran in against, against what would have been our better judgment, which would have said, get the hell out of there. I know we've been talking about this for two days now, but you know, what more important thing is there than the safety of the people we send to Washington to do our business. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Let's wrap up the, the week tomorrow and have some fun. Uh, keep an eye out on Periscope and uh, Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network.